from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, August 16th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, because my brother is late, on the ones and twos, Clark Flippo. Hey, man. Hello. Illustrious other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coming out I of like the gates with the shade. And I, like, and I like how Clark's just leaning into it today, man. Just, yeah. Clark, yeah. own this opportunity, hey, okay? Think, own I this think, thing. I think Clark knows exactly where Chandler's body is. I think he's just slowly <laughs> moving into it. This is part of the long like con. Chandler's phone yeah. went to All we're saying, pretty late today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All we're saying is the uh, Chandler's phone's just going to voicemail, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Uh, on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Tyler Huckabee. Howdy, folks. And just down the street there in Nashville, author, speaker, podcaster, cowgirl extraordinaire, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It's going to be a weird one today, folks. I'll just yeah, tell what's you your guys. Deal? I know. I'll just tell you right now, I'm, I'm very tired. Okay. Uh-uh. So last night, it's, it's deadline week. That's it's a very right. stressful week. Last night, made the mistake of arguing with people on Twitter. Okay? I saw that. Oh, I, I missed all that. Oh, I missed and, it. And I, I, I was like, opening at, it right okay, now. Here, okay, little behind the scenes. I, this morning, was <laughs> gathering content for this very show. And I get up early on, on morning, so we do the Friday show. I always like to, you know, there's a lot of content we got to prep. Yeah. And I'm looking through Twitter and looking through feedback, and I see some tweets, and then I'm like, when were these sent? <laughs> And I saw it was because this was like, I don't know. This was probably like 7 a.m. And it said like three hours ago. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. So so, and then I have to get up early because I take my son to school and and I had a haircut this morning. All right. So you doing it from your Cameron account or from relevant? Both and. Okay. Oh, Oh, Cameron. Oh, yeah. Someone that needs to take away that password. I saw, I saw all of them. Cameron Cameron was in it, in the weeds, and then Relevant had his back. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I'll say this, too. There's a couple threads where it was like, this tweet's unavailable. And I'm like, is that unavailable tweet us or them? Like, oh, no. What happened here? What happened? When, when are the screenshots going to start popping up? Oh, all morning. Boy. All morning. I've been in a fog because I'm so tired and had so much to do so early. I just, like, as we're walking in to record right now, I'm a little distracted. Because I got a call from my son's school that I didn't send any lunch with him. And so I'm like, oh, I got to oh, order wow. food. I got to get food delivered for my kid. Like, I am, I am not all there. So this, and this is me, a Friday. Can you give me the, like, I don't need the play by play. Uh, but can you give me the the general? What was the substance of the, I mean, uh, the debate? And, what was the headline? I mean, at first, it was mm-hmm. relevant, is token as as far as gender equality hold on let me set a little Um, more context at nine i remember okay at like nine or nine thirty last night i (laughs) sent out i I sent out a tweet that i do like once a week when i know we were doing the segment hey send us your ask the cast questions and i think that's what sparked it i think people were sending us questions and then things took a turn yeah and then and then it's like oh Okay, so we're talking about women being represented, strong, powerful women having a voice in our platform. Well, what about, what about, what about, what about, what about? And then somebody else gets going about how relevance lukewarm Christianity because we were given so much play this week to the Hillsong guy who like was questioning his faith, but we weren't like 
calling them out and whatever. And so, cause we're just lukewarm. I'm taking them to task. And then somebody starts asking me about like, uh, personal yeah. things and I took yeah. them to task. <gasps> what? Wait, yeah, where's that one? I'm looking for I that saw. one. Where's oh, that, that one? That's the tweet is unavailable this morning. That's Cameron <laughs> at the barber shop going, meh, probably oh, should shoot. pull that one back. Well, I don't oh, think anybody would accuse relevant of being, bad. I don't think anybody would accuse relevant of being lukewarm. If they heard the fiery voicemail I left on the Hillsong United, I called that, gave him a piece of my mind. I couldn't, I can't rightly say it on the air. It had a lot of harsh language in it, but I don't regret, I don't Man, regret a I single word. It. I'll say this. I'll say this. Yeah, we, we got dragged into a bit of a controversy. We're going to cover it. I'll, I'll say this. It's number one on the hot list this week, how we were dragged into this uh, controversy. But people can throw all the accusations you, they want because it's print week, usually a week where a, a lot of our focus and there's a lot of other stuff going on behind the scenes. Like it was a big week just internally for some developments in the future where a lot where our focus is being pulled in a lot of different directions. And sometimes the website is lower on the priority list during a time where we're really hustling to get stuff out out the door we had one of the big we might have the biggest week of the year so uh <laughs> thanks to the controversy a lot of people were coming to our site this week and yeah we'll take well, it yeah they're coming to our site and experiencing lukewarm compromised christianity that's apparently the consensus on twitter last night and at one in the morning i was having none of it i'll just tell you yeah, that you were having none of it yeah well, if lukewarm so. christianity gets clicks then that is what we will that's <laughs> what we're we gonna say specific things because i do have one I, I do have one specific thing I'm offended about from that Twitter conversation, or are we just going to let it? Oh be my word! Generic. Uh, well, no, yeah. Let me say this. Let me say this, and then I want to. I want your take. I, there. I I took umbrage with the. Uh, yeah, this is two different conversations. She okay. was taking umbrage because she got literally like no. categorized or something. Okay. I just yes. really but bothered keep me. Going, keep uh, going. Let me just say this: lukewarm is so hot right now. Annie, what's your beef? <laughs> <laughs> my bigger beef is one of the tweeter tweeters. I like it. Let's <laughs> go with it. Grandmother. Let's go with it. <laughs> One of the, a woman on Twitter said that the reason Shauna and Joy were on the show was because they had famous dads. And I would just like to say Shauna and Joy are their own women and they get to be on platforms and write books that have nothing to do with who their fathers are. It's because of who they are. So that, I don't care how that girl categorized me. I am bothered that she would think that Shauna and Joy are who they are because of their fathers. Get out of there, here. There's only one person on this podcast who's here because of his father, <laughs> and that is Mike Huckabee's son, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope I'm here because of Tom Downs. He's the best guy I know. I, I wish I had got this because of Tom Downs. <laughs> Man, oh. that, that's the only thing that lit me up for just a second there because Shauna and Joy are quite incredible women. I happen to be raised by good parents, but incredible women on their own. I I was, I was shocked and bothered. And I, I, that this, I have this side of me and I, this is why I got, this is why historically I can't read the comments ever. I can't, I can't allow myself because I have this justice side of right and wrong. And, and, and if somebody's going after somebody like it's indefensible, I will let them know and I will put them in their place. And I can't do that. I can't, it just, I get too riled up. And so, Anyway, and then next thing you know, it's a good thing know, I was snoozing because I'd have gotten riled up right next to you. That oh man, next thing, next thing you know, my son doesn't have any lunch today. So I mean, <laughs> thanks Twitter. <laughs> Gosh, hope you guys are all happy with yourselves. Way to go! <laughs> now a little child's going hungry because you couldn't leave Twitter alone. <laughs> now a little boy congratulations! <laughs> You've received your reward in full. Now, instead of a instead of a brown bag with a homemade sandwich, Cohen's gonna be eating Shake Shack from Uber Eats today. I'm so tired. 
I am so tired. That, I actually, so what time did you end up going to bed? Because did you have to like rile yourself down after that? Yeah. And I was watching. I was finishing. I've been... I don't know why. I've just been in like binge entire series kind of mode this yeah. this whole summer. Yeah. So like I'm taking on the entire Sopranos. I'm taking on the entire... And I'm just going all the way through. You know, and, I, and these are shows I've... Some I of them I've already why. seen. Why? I mean, it's your Enneagram 7-ness, right? Don't you say... Or you say you're an 8 with a 7 wing now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we like to binge things when we don't want to feel pain. Oh, sure. It's been a horrible year. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so, I know that. Yeah. So, yeah Literally in every that way. That may play into it. Yeah. No, no, I know. You've had, a, you've had quite a summer. Yeah. I've had... I've had, It's uh, The whole last six months has been... And on every front, like every right. front, pro- professional, personal, everything has been incredibly hard. So, hey, The Sopranos, let's turn that on. But hold on, I can off. ask you a serious question. Yeah. When things are hard for six months solid, what happens between you and God? I think it's... I, I, I distract myself from everything you know what i mean and it's like it's the numbing you know it's like I, if i could just turn my brain my heart everything just kind of off watch the sopranos for six hours you know what i mean i i think everything relationships with people and god and all of it falls into that trap right i mean like i'm just kind of like isolating yeah. my my mind you know yeah um, me too my counselor and i had this really hard conversation last week and she was like sounds like something you and the lord need to talk talk about and i was like Boy, it has been hard to wake up for my quiet time this week. <laughs> I think I'm, like, like, I'm going to go on Instagram. And yeah, yeah, I, I think I'll be on Instagram for the next six post, hours. Uh, some of my fears and doubts, and yeah. let's see how Christians react to it. <laughs> I actually, yeah, exactly. you know, I actually have. Oh, that's funny. Uh, good foreshadowing from Marty. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I actually, I found myself like, but the withdrawing thing. I've, I haven't been on social media much either. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not because like, I, I don't know. It's just, I don't feel like posting anything. And then I, I'm not a scroller. I'm like, I, I'm not a person who just mindlessly inhales social media. Like I'll engage it. I'll like post something and engage yeah, people and whatever. <laughs> but I just haven't had the appetite for it. I don't know. So anyway, I was binging shows till late and a finale wrapped up around midnight or whatever. And by the way, I, I can't condone the show uh, big asterisk, but I watched the new season of Orange is the New Black, you know, which is like the series finale. Yeah. I was just curious after seven seasons how they were going to kind of like wrap all the storylines. They ended the show in a way I've never seen. They ended the show with... Uh, Are you about to spoil it for people who care? I don't know. No, 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 I'm not. But there's, there is a There is a <laughs> plot line where a bad thing happened and a outgrowth of it, like somebody you know died, and an outgrowth of it was awareness of the circumstances that led to it. And on the show, somebody started like a foundation, like it kind of like rallied activism around this thing. Um, and at the end of the series, uh, the screen goes black, and that fictional foundation comes up on the screen with a real donation link to help with social justice or, you know, like kind of prison reform and helping ex-cons get on their feet so they can break this cycle of kind of being in and out Uh of the system and like help them with microloans and education and different things. And like this fictional thing, they, the show creators made real and I was able to donate to it. It was amazing. I was like, I was so glad that they did that, that they took this, you know, fictionalized drama and, uh, directly connected it to real organizations. Or was it because originally, like part of it was based on a real 
Anna, I can't think of her name now, but on her actual experience, right? Piper, so did she Piper somebody. Yeah. Start, did, she, did she start a foundation or did the show? No, 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 no. Know. The, the show, the, the foundation name at the end was named after one of the character, fictional characters in the show who was killed. And so the, and in the show, the other inmates like created a foundation in her honor and, uh, and then they actually made it a real thing. And I went on their GoFundMe and like the show creators are behind it and they're giving to these eight organizations. And it was a really amazing thing. Wow. And I ended up donating. <laughs> so, oh, wow. That's oh my gosh. That's how they get you. We got to, we got to get, we got to get your after midnight behavior <laughs> under control. <laughs> I ended up, I ended up donating $700,000. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and then I didn't have a show on. So I got on the, I was on my phone donating and I flipped over to the Twitter to see what's going on. Go. That's where it went. That's, That's where, where it went, went sideways. You went right into yeah, the we ditch. Need to, we need to draw some new boundaries, boundaries. for ourselves. <laughs> we need some nighttime boundaries. It sounds like. Oh man. All right. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Uh, coming up later, John Foreman uh, joins us. Uh, he, he wrote an op-ed for us this week at Relevant uh, about the gun violence epidemic. And he's going to come on the show today and talk to us about this issue, which he's passionate about. So look forward to that. Um, all right, well, let's take a break and uh, stay tuned. When we come back, it'll be the hot list. You're listening to Brother Sundance featuring Ella Bach. The song is Monsters. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Becca Vanderbeck, Matt Heath, and Noel Goff with Summertime. Okay, it's time for... It's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. All right, coming in at number five this week on the hot list. Uh, this week, Jay-Z's Rock Nation formed a controversial social justice partnership with the NFL. So the goal of the multi-year partnership is to enhance live game experiences and amplify the league's social justice efforts. So he'll be helping with um, Super Bowl halftime and other music things, entertainment things with the league, and then also social justice, right? So Jay-Z said in a statement, uh, with its global reach, the NFL has the platform and opportunity to inspire change across the country. Rock Nation's uh, shown that entertainment and enacting change are not mutually exclusive ideas. Instead, we unify them. This partnership is an opportunity to strengthen the fabric of communities across America. So it's an odd partnership because Jay-Z has been critical of the NFL in the past, uh, famously turning down the Super Bowl halftime show. He also wore a Colin Kaepernick jersey during a 2017 appearance on SNL. Um, And ever since Colin Kaepernick began kneeling during the national anthem before games to protest racial injustice and police brutality, the NFL's stand on social justice issues has been criticized. Kaepernick and fellow player Eric Reed settled a collusion case reportedly for tens of millions of dollars after they remained unsigned following their participation in the demonstrations. Eric Reed later signed a new contract with a new team, but Colin Kaepernick remains unsigned. Uh, Following the announcement, Eric Reed took to Twitter questioning the new partnership. Uh, In response to Jay-Z saying the deal would, quote, help millions and millions, retweeted, it looks like your goal was to make millions and millions of dollars by assisting the NFL in burying Colin's career. Wow. So, ouch. Yeah. Yeah, I like. I it mean, does seem a little. Uh, this is a bad look across. The, it, 
Well, yeah. I mean, there were pictures of Jay-Z like laughing and sitting on a couch next to Roger Goodell, who if for people that don't follow football is the commissioner of the NFL and has been a, 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 a probably the most criticized and controversial major sports commissioner in America, uh, particularly to his response to the whole Kaepernick situation. Uh, so to see those two, like I said, kind of sitting on a couch together, kind of laughing and it, it was a weird weird look for both parties i felt like it, it i mean you can't help but feel like uh jay-z takes a stand and then if there's enough money involved we can look the other way and all of a sudden now these oh you think that's it there's good people on both sides seems like yeah. i read there was yeah. a really good editorial in the new york daily news written by bradford davis davis that said that uh he uh that jay-z was helping the NFL provides suppressing fire for criticism, which is a uh, strong words, but what other way could you look at this? Uh, that's, yeah. that's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and two, Eric Reed is someone who, you know, like Colin Kaepernick, he doesn't do interviews. He doesn't, um, uh, you know, he, he doesn't, uh, you know, isn't vocal about um, the, the issues. His thing is a silent protest, a silent, peaceful protest. But Eric Reed, you know, he is very vocal and he's a Christian and he's a guy who says that he's doing this because of his faith. His faith compels him to risk his career, to speak out against what he sees as, you know, widespread injustice. And so for Eric Reed to come out and, you know, so vocally express his skepticism, I think, is pretty powerful and pretty telling. And I don't want to let the, like, the, the good be the enemy of the perfect here or anything like that. Obviously, the, the NFL needs a lot of help. And, and I, I can see a version of this in which this probably seemed like a, a good idea at the time. But, but man, I, I just feel like this should have been thought through so much better. And with the NFL in such a sorry state with multiple yeah. issues that it's dealing with right now from... Uh, how they dealt with the Kaepernick situation to obviously all the information coming out about the brain trauma that these brain guys trauma, are. But also domestic violence. Yeah. Domestic yeah. violence so many players. Like, whole situation. It's a yeah, disaster. Yeah. And, and yeah. this just feels like a, a really cheap and easy win for them where there's much more substantive things that are needed. And, and Jay-Z has been such a good fight for He's been such a good uh, uh, ally in that. So it, it's weird to see this shift and it's kind of disappointing. Well, Jay Z yeah. only got the opportunity because he has a famous dad, and oh, you know yeah. it's all yeah. just Mr. about nepotism. <laughs> <and> <laughs> right, Mr. right, Mr. right. A lot of people know right. Mr. Z. Um, oh, listen, Cameron, don't stir me up again. I've I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm still, I'm hey, I'm yeah, only on a few don't hours do sleep. Do it, y'all, y'all stir me up, and then I get in trouble later. Just don't do it. <laughs> I said my piece. All right. Joy and Shauna are very accomplished women. See. <laughs> All right. Coming in number four on the hot list. We got our first look at Terrence Malick's new religious war drama called A Hidden Life. Uh, so here's the official synopsis from Fox Searchlight. A Hidden Life is the story of an unsung hero, Franz Jagerstatter, who refused to fight Perfect. for the Nazis. I, I think I got it right. I think yeah, you did. There's a lot of dots over There's a lot of dots. Yeah, there's a lot of Uma. He refused to fight for the Nazis in World War II. When the Austrian peasant farmer is faced with the threat of execution for treason, it's his unwavering faith and his love for his wife, Fanny, and children that keeps his spirit alive. The movie received rave reviews when it debuted at the Cannes Film Festival this year. It's been called one of Malik's finest. Here's a clip. I can't swear loyalty to Hitler. I can't. Do you think your defiance will change the course of things? Get out! 
If God gives us free will, we're responsible for what we do, what we fail to do. But yeah, as you can hear from from that clip we just played, faith is a huge part of this film. I mean, these characters, you know, from the reviews that I've read from people who saw it at uh, Khan and, uh, you know, even just, you know, from the from the clips and learning the real story, you know, God was the central motivating factor in his objection to what the Nazis were doing in World War II. And even though it potentially cost this person his life and family, it was his un, it was literally his unwavering kind of Christian faith that compelled him to to risk everything and go to prison. And, you know, it's not just a story of political persecution. In this case, it's a story of religious persecution. And for someone like Terrence Malick to tackle this story in a way that, you know, only Terrence Malick can in, in the style and prestige that he brings to projects. I think he's pretty cool. Tyler, are, what, what are your thoughts, man? Well, I'm curious to hear you talking about it with a, with a, sounds like a relatively upbeat to hear your advanced review because in the past on this very podcast, Jesse, you and I have fought <laughs> tooth and nail. Uh, back tooth and forth over and Terrence, Terrence Malick movies because I yeah, li- do be, like Terrence Malick. You as a do filmmaker. have had Twitter esque. Yeah, because yeah, of it's been late night. It's, it's had the flavor of a late night Twitter battle. I will say this. Podcast. I will say this. The, the plotless Terrence Malick movies that are you know intercut with montages of people hanging sheets on fancy uh, you know laundry lines and and you know people running their hands through the top of the uh, grass and hay in a in a undercut uh, you know overgrown. Are you field. describing a country music? No, this video? is every Terrence, and there's like swelling music for like those. I'm like, okay, this is boring. This is a war movie. This one looks like okay. There's something happens in this one. Jesse, this I, is a good move for Terrence Malick. Let's tr- let's dabble with plot. I don't want to throw any cold water on your fire here, Jesse, but. But I, I have not seen this movie. But if I know anything about Terrence Malick, you're going to get a lot of. I don't. I, I, I keep that same energy going into this okay. movie. Okay. <laughs> All right. well, I'm going to end it on this. Keep that Tyler, same energy. You keep and I have up, both. Brother. You and I have both seen Terrence Malick's Tree of Life, the acclaimed we have. film. Yeah. Okay. A couple of times. Give me, give me a one sentence synopsis of the plot of that film. You don't want me to do. You don't really want me to do <laughs> this, even though, plot. even though I can't. Even though I can't. Like when y'all do this. <laughs> no, it's like I'm not going to fall. Where are we gonna start? I'm not gonna <laughs> fall into this trap. I'm not gonna. You can't. I, I was born no yesterday, Jesse Carey. All right, coming in number three this week. Uh, it's it's getting good, folks. Uh, the Fellowship Foundation has released a there statement in response to the Netflix series The Family. Oh, I love this. Oh, this is all the there conversation in my church right now. <laughs> Everyone is talking about it. Love it. Tooth and nail. Oh, this is the drama I live. Oh, just let me. Stick a straw on this one and slurp it up. Coming down the stretch, there's two that we have three remaining. Two of the ones remaining are really hot on the hot list. They don't get hotter than two of the ones we get coming. So the new series, uh, The Family on Netflix, looks at the roots and influence of the group that hosts the National Prayer Breakfast, an annual gathering that every president has attended since the 50s. Um, The gathering drew national attention in recent years when a woman named Maria Butina who attended the National National Prayer Breakfast to, quote, establish a back channel of communication, according to investigators, pled guilty to conspiring to act as a foreign agent. In a uh, statement, did you, by the way, before I read the rest of this, did you see that she was in the news yesterday because she was dating the CEO of Overstock.com and Overstock.com released a statement about her? (laughs) It's crazy. What? Yeah. Because she was dating (sighs) the CEO? Yeah, so apparently, a stupid time over the last like three years, like they met at a conservative gathering that he was speaking at called Freedom Fest, and (laughs) she 
God, they they struck up, up a romantic names. relationship over a few years, and she was. Man, yeah, she was like working her way through the conservative organizations trying to get like communication and back channel communication for Russia. It's really bizarre. But ultimately, that's been one of the criticisms of the National Prayer Breakfast is right. that it allows people like a, someone who pled guilty to being a foreign agent for the Russian government to be in the same room and potentially have access. And, and in her case, yeah, unfettered access. And in her case, but possible romantic relationships with very, very powerful people who she should oh. know not otherwise. I mean, she's literally, you know, investigators believe she's a Russian spy. She pled yeah. guilty. You she know? did the whole thing. She this did the thing. This is a very cool story. This, this story just gets anymore. cooler. And, so, and I know we want to read the statement, but real quick, have you guys watched the 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 family yet on Netflix? No, I've got to now because literally all my friends are talking I about love it. it. Because everyone thinks they, everybody in Nashville thinks they know people who are in the real life version of this. They probably And so there's a lot of like, hey, you remember that time we went to that thing? Do you think that's what this was? Hey, do you remember when they all lived in that one house? Do you think that's what that was? And it is, I mean, I'm not kidding you. It's conspiracy. Jesse, you've got to come here because it's like conspiracy theory land right now. I love, I love joy. I, I, yeah, in all confessions, I've watched the first four of, I haven't seen the last two episodes yet, but, uh, you know, I, I went in with a very, uh, uh, preconceived idea of what the documentary was. And after, especially after the first two episodes, I was very conflicted about how I felt about the central figure in it, Doug Coe, because a lot of his, and Tyler, I'm interested, you know, you've watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear what you, what you think about him because a lot of it came across as he, he seemingly had a lot of noble intentions that may have been, um, not preyed upon, but powerful people may have used to achieve their own agendas. But the central figures at the at the core of it, a lot of them seem like at least they had very pure intentions spiritually. Yeah, I think that and I think and we've kind of talked about this a little bit offline about there's sort of a mix of things that I think are very valid and very concerning coming out of the documentary and some things that seem a little bit uh, not not intentionally inflated, but maybe a misunderstanding of of some very standard evangelical rhetoric about yeah. what it means to about being involved in the public sphere as a Christian. I think that there is a. I think the family kind of like you see a lot of the same thing happening with uh, when people talk about uh, like Donald Trump, say, uh, and the way that he's like crafting this masterful uh, policy for the Russians to take over. And I just don't think that's the case. I think that they're with with regards to the family. It seems like there have been some crimes of negligence, maybe just not being aware of certain people, not having a lot of strict security protocols in place for things like the National Prayer Breakfast that allowed it to be leveraged by people who interested in power and uh, and in undermining certain democratic processes in the United States. And they've just found the family to be sort of unwilling, uh, unwilling allies in that without them being aware of it. Now, I think the family occasionally does kind of veer into sort of a domain, dominionist theology that is worth debating. And I think Christians need to be more aware of their own uh, politics in that way. But in terms, I don't think the family has some sort of vast conspiracy to overthrow of the because the, the show is fiction right it's not a documentary it is documentary there's oh, fictionalized so there's fictionalized parts true. of it yeah okay. there's fictionalized yeah. Okay. elements that they reenact certain things yeah a lot of reenact okay. but it's oh, not i can't a, wait i can't wait in a statement uh the organization said about the documentary though the netflix docudrama 
They refuse to call it a documentary, Ad- but a Adelaide. docudrama. Series mischaracterizes the work of the fellowship and attempts to portray people of faith in a bad light. We are encouraged by how often viewers are introduced to and challenged by the person and principles of Jesus, which are at the core of our mission and message. Uh, the statement continued, perhaps they will also better understand the integrity and transformational impact of this informal network to encourage everyone in the spirit of friendship and reconciliation to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, and to love their neighbor as themselves. Um, I mean, the thing, I'm curious what will happen, if if anything, to the work of the Fellowship Foundation on Capitol Hill, where they are, you know, you know, prayer meetings, both non, you know, bipartisan prayer meetings mm-hmm. led by a Democratic and a Republican senator and congressman. And it, it really is like to bring together government leaders around prayer and fellowship. And I'm curious now if, you know, if people will be more hesitant to participate or something yeah. because they don't want to get like if there's a little bit of a stink on it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm wondering, and that would, that would, that would be unfortunate, you know? And I think, it, I think they could have handled this a little bit better by saying something as simple as it's true that in the past, maybe we've, we've made a mistake here and there in terms of the people that we allowed in and some of the ways that our security was, was exploited or like security was exploited. But the, yeah, I, I just think there's, there's a little more of a nuance that the documentary itself could have provided so far. And I think that the statement could have said that instead of this kind of uh, this very broad denial of the entire yeah. series. Be, be, because like the, I get the intention of like, yeah, let's have even bad people come. You know, Doug Coe once said, I'm friends with a lot of bad people, you know, because yeah. he wants to turn them good. Like that's his whole mission It's like, well, bad people are going to stay bad unless good people reach out to them. Right. And but uh, some of those people have manipulated the, uh, you know, probably pure intentions of the organization to honestly back channel with powerful people. And that's, you know, that's where it gets complicated. But Annie, I think I know your love for conspiracy things. I think you would love the series. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm really in. I mean, yesterday at church, people on staff and people who are just stopping in, kept coming into my office (laughs) and saying, Hey, have you watched this yet? And I mean, it is, I've got to watch it because I got to stay culturally relevant in my friend go. group. There you go. It's interesting. Next time it's somebody asks you that, be like, come in here and shut the door. Never speak that out loud again. You're like, <laughs> act, like act like you're in it. Are you talking about that? No, all I keep saying is are listening. Are you All I keep saying like I do with every conspiracy theory is you're probably right. I just keep saying you're probably right. <laughs> no, they come into your office and talk about it. You're like, Good day. And you just get up and walk out and they just look right. out the window and you're sprinting. And they're like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> or they start talking about it. My phone next to me just combusts in front of them. <laughs> You've got the lever under your desk that drops the floor out from underneath them. That's like, right. oh, that's interesting. That's right. Let me get a go. Right. Yeah, I sure have. Step right over there for me in the corner. Boom. And yeah. Jesse, all I need right now when I'm on a book di- deadline is one more series to binge. So here we there go. go. I mean, priorities, Enjoy. right? Enjoy. I've yeah. got an opening in my schedule. So I plan yeah. on watching it. This it's very good. It's very good. It's, well, no it's only six episodes. Yeah. So I need to time it. Six where episodes for, that are an hour each. I'm sure. Right. Not longer than that. 40 yeah, minutes, 45 yeah. to an hour. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll knock this out before we see each other again. So I need to time it though, that I don't wrap it up post midnight. No, no, no. Then I'll be like, to do that. Oh, now what? And I'll get on Twitter. Uh, you want to watch it after midnight. <laughs> otherwise, cause you never know. You want, you want the cover of night while you're watching this thing. All right. Coming in number two this week, uh, Lauren Daigle led spontaneous worship at a concert in Vancouver. 
she decided to switch up her set list on the fly, saying, I just feel it in the room. She then led the crowd in singing the 1983 worship song, I Exalt Thee by Phil Driscoll. Here's a clip. Remember Phil Driscoll? Yeah. I Phil Driscoll. We, how come there's not an there's a, I saw Phil Driscoll was the level of Christian artist that my church could afford every once in a while to bring <laughs> yeah, in for sure. a concert, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, it was yeah. a big deal, Phil Driscoll concert. You yeah. know. And he would lead ah. worship and he kind of had that raspy like Tom Cocker voice, you know, or Joe yeah. Cocker voice, you know. And then but he would bust out the trumpet solos all the time. You know what I mean? He's a really prolific trumpeter. And like Wait, he would sing and play trumpet? Oh yeah. I mean not at the same time, obviously. Oh, yeah. I'm not being no, down, but was I mean incredible. like he had a trumpet. That was the thing. Like he that was his thing. He was like he was a trumpeter. That was his main thing. Very the singing cool. was secondary, kind of like yeah. Louis Armstrong. You know, yeah. he's first a trumpeter, second a, a singer. And uh, I, I remember like thinking, man, that, I mean, this is like, this is a one man band. I mean, this is like, this guy's, you know, prolific. We don't have yeah. those kinds of artists anymore. I guess yeah. like Lizzo plays the flute, but like what artists are I out there singing and then they bust her. out their, yeah, oh, yeah. So do I. yeah, she's great. She's great. We need, we need to bring, we need to bring it back. Yeah. Like singers like busting out. I mean, I played the French horn in middle school, but I don't think I should like preach a sermon and then play the French horn in the middle. That doesn't feel like <laughs> quite as cool as Lizzo. I, I, Annie, you're selling yourself a little short there. I yeah. think it's true. The French horn is, is the coolest brass instrument, no talk. question. My mom, my mom, Nancy, played the French horn as well. So you get you're in good company. Yes. And uh, she has not busted it out regularly. My dad played uh, the clarinet in high school band. And, yeah, and, I and, that. and that thing like stayed with us. Like I would find it in the attic. Like, why do you have a clarinet? He's like, well, I don't know. I might like get back into it one day. Like, you hear him like not? late at night in the attic, like just the great, the most majestic clarinet <laughs> solo you've ever heard. Dad? <laughs> he sneaks up there. Yeah, where you've inherited his restlessness, where he channels it into unbelievable uh, clarinet arrangements. Uh, you're on Twitter, but uh, to each his own. Do you guys remember that era, like 2004, when when every white Christian guy became a djembe player? Like that became oh, there. It just yeah. like, became a thing. And then they yes. get they get to go on stage during your church's global week, which just kind of meant like some <laughs> ill-defined African focus. Yeah. And instead of getting like, but he was the always playing in the youth group. Yeah, he played every of, week at the youth group. He was only at big church. Yeah, and then that he'd get Sunday. big church. Yeah. The, he'd just go up there yeah. and his like in that Hollister knit hat, and he'd just play <laughs> like. How great is our God? And he just has to very slowly. How great, but don't bump. Is our God? <laughs> yeah, I exalt the do 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 do. I ex- and he's like, "This really isn't a gym bay song. It's ten forty window week, dude. Just stand up there with the gym bay. Ten forty window week. We're monsters. <laughs> Rock the gym bay. It, I hearing I exalt thee, man. It brought me back to those yeah, old days. Oh, yeah, I loved machine. it. I loved yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. As the deer. Yeah. That was a good song. Ancient of days. I was big ancient of days, guys. Deer. Ba-dum-bum. 
That's a Jim Bay jam. 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 That's a at Skillet's front man. He did? Week. I don't know yeah. this. Tell okay. me everything. All right. So so Our Marty Sampson Marty Sampson went on Instagram and and start, you know shared his doubts about his faith. We reported that. And then he deleted the post. Okay. And then the skillet front man, John Cooper, went on Instagram and wrote a or on sorry wrote a lengthy facebook post titled what in god's name is happening in christianity and he said we must stop making worship leaders and thought leaders or influencers or cool people or relevant people he put that in quotes the most influential people in christendom we get it shots we fired cooper yeah, yeah I, the I post loud the and post, clear the post was shared 29,000 <laughs> times and uh Skillet's publicist emailed me about 29,000 times wanting us really? to cover it. Yeah. Uh, he also wrote, uh, uh, so John also wrote, uh, most shocking, in my opinion, as these influencers disavow their faith, they always end their statements with their new insight or truth that is basically a regurgitation of Jesus's words. It's truly bizarre and ironic. They'll say, I'm disavowing my faith, but remember, love people, be generous, forgive others. Um, why? Though Samson never was mentioned in the post, many people who shared the post drew a connection between Cooper's words and Samson's announcement. However, Samson never said a lot of things that Cooper put in quotes. Uh, okay, so then in another Instagram post addressed to Cooper, Samson said, wow, where do I begin? Now, this has all the tone of a late night Cameron Strang Twitter <laughs> Wow, where do I begin? I guarantee you this is written at one in the morning. Uh, what right have you to put words in my mouth? I wouldn't presume to put words in yours to think that this actually is exactly what I tweet in the middle of the night to think that I am trying to influence others without even asking me if that's my intention is offensive. Did I write an article on myself in relevant magazine? I, I I only ever posted I the, about I that. that. Thank you. <laughs> That's true. We're talking to the guy who wrote it. He's talking about you. Yeah. yeah. I keep only, going. Keep going, Cameron. I only ever posted about this to explain to people my four thousand followers on Insta. I may add, where I was at in an honest and genuine way, not to influence them and their beliefs, not to draw attention to myself. That was my. That was our job to draw attention to. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Marty also posted a screenshot of an old relevantmagazine.com article called Seven Prominent Christian Thinkers Who Wrestled with Doubt," with a caption that read. What of Relevant Magazine airing the doubts of far more prominent Christian thinkers than me? Should they have written this article? Should Mother Teresa have destroyed her personal letters? My opinion is neutral. And the fact that I have never heard of these doubts from... Uh, heard of these doubts from these prominent Christian figures only assures me of my own doubts and enlightens me to the danger it poses to the beliefs of the tribe, be it atheist or otherwise. Perhaps this is why most belief systems are ultimately sanctioned by the highest powers of the land and assured of their survival by doing so. I continue on unabated. There you go. Okay. All right. I, there's Marty a lot. Samson. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a 
maybe we should just go around the table because I feel like we all probably have something to his point about like only sharing just 4,000 followers. I mean, listen, if you're, uh, if you've written songs, I mean, he's written songs for Delirious, for United, Young and Free, for Hill. If you've written songs that, uh, you know, are sung by millions of people around the world and then, you know, are questioning the, the truth of them, it is newsworthy. And so, especially right. if you're posting it on a public platform. But the other thing too is like, I do think that Christianity has modern evangelicalism has a unhealthy relationship with doubt. Um, and I actually was rereading that listicle that we did about uh, prominent Christian thinkers who wrestled with doubt openly. And I, there was a, a quote from Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, you know, largely recognized as one of the greatest preachers ever. And this is one of the quotes that we quoted in that story. He said, I think when a man says, I never doubt, it is quite time for us to doubt him. It is quite time for us to begin to say, ah, poor soul, I'm afraid you are not on the road at all. For if you were, you would see many things in yourself, so much glory in Christ, more than you deserve, that you would be ashamed of yourself as even to say it is too good to be true. Even Spurgeon said, if, if you say you don't doubt, then it's, then we, we have to doubt, you know, your credibility. Like right. I'm not saying every doubt needs to be aired publicly, but right. I don't think we should have an adverse relationship with doubt. I think doubt should actually be embraced because if we truly believe there's no question too big for God, you know, or his truth, then let's put it all on the table here. Let's say, let's get it out instead of letting it fester and to feel like you're alone on this island. Let's deal with it as a community with grace instead of just making people who actually vocalize their doubts pariahs, you know? I completely agree. It's good. It's good. It's good. I just, I... Yeah, uh, I want to hear your thoughts, Annie, because you, yeah, I do. you yeah. used to you're, you're used to living your faith in public and you have a little more uh, distance. You know, I, I can see right. us getting a little defensive here. So I'd like to hear your thoughts. I think a very telling stat. I won't even say my thoughts. I'll just say a very telling stat is that Marty deleted his entire Instagram account, except for this one response to John Cooper post. Yeah. Right. Like even the thing yeah. he originally said isn't there anymore. Yeah. And and I don't love how this is handled by him maybe, which I don't even know that I get to have an opinion on how he handles his faith life. But what I also, I also think we all should have a little more grace for people when they decide to wrestle publicly. Yeah. Okay. He decided to wrestle with his faith, faith publicly and that was his choice. And he's going to take backlash compared to those of us who wrestle with it privately. Yeah. But I think, um, so I feel sorry for him and I don't feel sorry for him at the same, like my Enneagram seven feels sorry for him. My eight wing is like, buck up brother. You're the one who put this out in the public. Yeah. I, I, yeah. 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 I, I feel I'm like he's gotta be okay with people having opinions. If you're putting an opinion out there and you're a public figure, right. but nobody, the, it's not like someone took a, a transcript from a, his meeting with his pastor and published yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Right. Like he did this. Mm. And so, so if you're going to wrestle publicly, people are going to step into that. And that's your, he made the choice to say to all of his 4,000 followers, like it was going to stay in his 4,000 followers that are now 12,000 followers. So you win, son. Yeah. Uh, If he was going to say it to those 4,000 followers, he had to know it was going to go bigger than that. And every time any of the four of us post, from ourselves or from relevant, probably you have to realize that this could spark something that is bigger than what you want it to be. Yeah. And if you're not okay with that, take that. Don't post it for Pete's sake. Well, I don't, I don't know that he, uh, my observation of 
you know, putting myself in the mindset of the 1 a.m. Twitter response. Um, <laughs> I don't think, I mean, he wasn't like arguing with everybody who criticized him. He wasn't replying to no. commenters. It yeah. was, but the he fact- did. He went to Lisa Bevere's account and yeah. responded to Lisa Bevere reposting John Cooper's words. Yeah. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. That's so my, my thing is if that. I'm, if I'm him, I could see him taking umbrage with, uh, another public Christian musician, you know, yeah. uh, putting essentially putting words in his mouth. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't think to me that I would want to, I would want to, if I'm the original person, mm-hmm. I would want to set that record straight. Yeah. Lest tens of thousands of people assume what he's saying is my heart. Yeah. Cause you know what I mean? Like I would want to say, no, 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 no. I said this and I'm allowed to say it. I, so his response, I, I kind of get the knee yeah. jerk kind of like, don't I put do words too. in my mouth, you know? <laughs> If you'd construed, if you construed, and, and I don't know that's necessarily the most natural reading of Cooper's post, but if you construed those quotation marks to mean this is what Samson said, uh, then I would definitely want that cleared up. And that's yeah, a fair maybe, grievance. Yeah, maybe, and it could just be sloppy writing on Cooper's part, but it's that's yeah. not an unfair And, and it might have been John Cooper kind of saying, okay, fine, Josh Harris did this, and Marty yeah. Samson did this, uh-huh. and that seems to be a trend, and he's like yeah. quoting kind of general themes yeah. that are uttered by the people doing this. And right. if that's the case, fine. you know. But the fact that it just happened like literally the day after... Yeah. Marty's and you know whatever I get this is yeah. very inside baseball and I'm sure that you know listeners are kind of like get over it. who cares this is like it doesn't matter yeah. I, I just think it's interesting because as you said you know Annie those of us not those of us Anybody. who have platforms yeah. that's what I'm saying all yeah. of us all of us with social media need to think about what? Right. Remember when that girl said made a terribly racist joke on her Twitter yeah. and nobody knew who she was. And by the time she landed yeah. wherever she was flying, oh, she had yeah. lost her job yeah. and the whole yeah. world knew her. I mean, yeah. there are none of us that are immune from possibly going viral for something that we say. So we can't we yeah. we have to be thoughtful. We can't just do 1 a.m. Twitter rants. Although, although, although those feel really good. I'm sometimes. about what John Cooper said. Uh, to be fair, I liked John yeah. Cooper's response. See, well, I, I, I honestly, I took a little bit of issue with it because really? I feel like, I mean, like, because are you going to criticize Job? You're going to criticize Thomas? David publicly questioned his faith and published it in Psalms. I mean, he questioned the whole half the books questioning. Where are you, God? Why did you abandon me? I thought me? John Cooper, feel, I feel like John Cooper's writing was way more, not people who are questioning their faith, but people who are, committed to their faith for a long time and then immediately and then at some point decide I am no longer committed to this faith and now I will announce that and now I will have as much expertise in this as I did in the 20 years of the faith that I had I feel like that's the state the one of the big problems John Cooper had with it is like you you've you jump into this big announcement so quick seemingly well, yeah, that is an assumption, is it, isn't it? Was it an announcement or is it like just sharing where he's at transparently? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? I don't know yeah. that it was like I had a press release. Hey, the only publicist that contacted us was John Cooper's publicist, okay? Yeah. To like want coverage about his statements. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The other well, that's interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally, like, yeah. hey, you're talking about Marty Sampson. The lead singer of Skillet has responded. Relevant should cover it. And it's like, okay, this feels icky. Now. And I don't love, I don't love the idea of a publicist asking us to cover a statement saying we need to stop giving Christian influencers so much 
power yeah, over what we right? think. There's yeah. a little bit of that. Person who makes career out of selling Christian music criticizes Christians for elevating people who sell Christian music. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's like okay, come on. There's there's some irony here. And he did. You know? I, he no, he noted the he noted that within the post, I believe. Uh, but uh, but it doesn't change the fact that there is something a little bit there's there's a tension there that that it's kind of difficult. I, I don't agree know. with that. But I think that these are, I mean, these are important conversations. And I think that if, I think that if you're going to post something like what Samson posted, then you do need to be willing to engage with them. And you might think that some people are treating you uncharitably. That's almost bound yeah. to happen in a social media age. You're, you're going to get feedback that you disagree with or that you feel like uh, is, is in 100%. bad faith with what you actually said yeah. or wrote. Uh, but that, that is unfortunately the nature of the beast. And you can, prepare for that. And obviously, that's something that we think about a lot. All of us have to with the statements that we issue. Uh, I, I don't think it's fair to take umbrage with uh, with the fact that people are going to have some very strong emotional reactions to something that you write. Yeah. Two, two final thoughts, and we got to wrap this. One, the uh, from Relevance perspective, if you're like, you know, the, the, some of the comments that I was seeing last night about like this, people were, you know, like John's right and Marty's wrong and relevance only call, highlighting the the negative view and they're ignoring John. And, and it's like, and then people are saying like, well, that's because relevance lukewarm and this, that, whatever. To Jesse's point, like being honest about wrestling with doubt is part of the Christian experience and part of our spiritual lives and journeys. And if you're, if you don't at some point, you're fooling yourself and but but as a brand our heart is to emphasize the positive we want to draw people closer to jesus we are pro church we are pro and so while you know there's two ways to enact change you know i mean you could like point out what's wrong with everything and criticize it or you can kind of turn your back to it and uphold a better vision of how things could be or should be and that's always been our perspective right we don't want to be negative. We don't want to be cynical. We don't want to be critical. We want to be hopeful and optimistic and point people to the Lord. And tomorrow's a new day and things can get better. And as in our faith life, we emphasize 99% of the time <laughs> spiritual disciplines and, and prayer and worship and things that are going to move you closer to, to the heart of God. But in that conversation, we do talk about doubt from time to time too, because this is part of it. Yeah. We don't emphasize it. If you look at our coverage, is ninety nine percent pro Jesus and one percent questions. You know what I mean? So I feel like the misrepresentation isn't fair. Okay, that's one. the The one last thing I want to mention, just from relevance perspective, of like, why did y'all even cover it? You know, it? Who cares, right? Why did you even whatever? Jesse illuminated this as well, and I would just want to highlight it. We've given our platform to Hillsong United. We put them on the cover three times in our magazine, and we feel that if a songwriter who has written many of the songs we've sung in our churches is now openly talking about, I don't know that I believe any of this anymore. We feel a journalistic responsibility to share that information with you. You know what I mean? Like we've told you one side of it. Oh, this is going to be helpful for you to understand the full context of the people behind that thing. We don't want to fluff people. We don't want to put them on pillars or pedestals. They're humans too. We've told you the good. Here's the other side. There it is. We're not trying to bash anybody. We're not trying to like sensationalize. We just felt like a responsibility. Like if if we ignored it, I think people would rightly criticize us for ignoring it. You know. So it's like we just felt like, hey, this is what he said. 
He's been on the pages of our magazine. Do with it what you will. Yeah. We didn't draw a conclusion. We just told you that it existed. Yeah, and exactly. uh, we, we will continue to do that. We will continue to do that. We're not looking to rile up dirt or slander anybody, but like, hey, if we've promoted someone, we feel an obligation to tell you the full story if other information comes out in a future time. So we're sorry, but that's part of being a media platform. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> That'll do it for... It's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. Between Jay-Z, uh, the family... And this, this is one of the hottest hot lists we've it's had. It's a hot oh, list. Hot, hot, hot list. This is a hot show. Let's call it. This yeah, is a hot, hot show. Hot, Cameron hot. came in hot. Yeah. He got me all this mad hot about episode. the Twitter. And let's be honest, John Foreman's hot. We're just getting started. <laughs> hey, We're you, you know what, started. though? You know what, though? The only reason we wanted to have John on today, he's got a famous dad. We, it, we got, <laughs> he does have a very wonderful dad. That's yeah. actually Pastor very Mark true. Pastor Mark Foreman, John Wooden, John, you know. He hasn't only, done much on his own accord, but yeah. it's good he has a famous dad. Yeah, we... We really just, it's all about nepotism. That's really all it is. You know is. what? Two years ago when I started on the show, I would never jump in on these long making fun of the same commenter now look at you. jokes. And now y'all have just ruined my pure heart. <laughs> and now I starts. play along the whole time. This is how it starts. Oh, it's, it's, this is how it starts. Be, this is how it ends. This is begun, the end of oh, oh, Andy, you have no idea <laughs> how the dark side is. Welcome to <laughs> the <dark. laughs> Stay right, tuned. Up next, John Foreman joins us. Listening to Shade, the song is Thunder. Well, today's show is brought to you by Bombas. Bombas is a comfort-focused sock and apparel brand with a mission to help those in need. One purchase equals one donated. Bombas not only look great, they're also made with an emphasis on style and comfort. They are super soft, made from natural cotton, and every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's comfy but not too thick. They're also a perfect purchase during back-to-school season. Bombas exists to help support the homeless community and to bring awareness to an under-publicized problem in the U.S. And so far, more than 24 million items have been donated to those in need through their model, which gives away an item for every item sold. Bombas is my absolute favorite sock. Whenever I'm traveling, I always pack the Bombas because when you're on an airplane, these are the ones you want to wear. I'm telling you right now. You can buy your Bombas at bombas.com slash relevant and get 20% off your first purchase. It's a great deal. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash relevant for 20% off your first purchase. Trust me, you'll love it. Well, John Foreman is a Grammy-winning singer, songwriter, and the frontman of the band Switchfoot. This week, he penned a powerful op-ed for relevantmagazine.com about the American gun violence epidemic and the need for Christians to approach the issue with boldness and love. So we wanted to have John on the show today to discuss it with us. Here's John Foreman.
This week, you know, John wrote uh, an incredible piece for us about the gun violence epidemic that's happening in the country in response to some of these uh, just horrific shootings that the country's experienced really uh, in recent days. And, you know, the piece really focused on the need for Christians to approach the issue with boldness but also with love. John, I want to get started with you, man. You know, obviously, th- th- you are incredibly emotionally transparent, and that really comes across in the piece. What was it about, you know, kind of the things that happened in the country in the last week or so that really struck a chord with you that you wanted to address them? Well, I think it's not just me, but I think we're all kind of becoming desensitized to these mass shootings. And um, it feels somehow strangely normal. And that's a horrible feeling. And I want to um, kind of throw myself out of that situation. I feel like the, the frog is in, in the, the, you know, in the glass and the, the water's heating up and I want to be aware of it. And I want to, I, I guess I want to, I, I want to be shocked every time. I don't want to, I don't want that to become normalized. Do you think that, uh, John, this is Tyler, uh, you you posted a, a video message where you said that whenever you post, when you write something like this, you're used to getting uh, attacked from sort of both sides. You take criticism from the right and from the left over what you're saying. What do you think it is about your message, this message in particular, that is kind of, um, that is upsetting to people on all sides of the the uh, gun control slash mass shooting debate. Well, I don't think it's. I think gun control is certainly a hot topic, but I don't think it's just gun control. I think that our society is becoming increasingly binary, where we, mm. um, you're either red or blue, you're black or white, you're liberal, you're conservative, um, and. That is rather than being the beginning of the conversation, that's the conversation ender. I, I, we're done. We disagree. And I feel like that is the most dangerous thing about these times is that, um, that is, that's essentially silencing any future conversation. And that's what, I mean, that's where a lot of times these young men are finding the voice of a gun to, to be as horrible as it sounds in their minds, that's the best way forward. And mm. I feel like when we silence our enemies um, and no longer speak to them with kindness, with the idea that there there's a piece of humanity in them, that's also in me, we're doing the same thing that the gunshots are doing. It's, it's stopping the conversation rather than starting it. And so for me, um, I think the awareness of looking at someone else and saying, wow, that, that's a human. Um, I find a piece of myself in that other human. Maybe that's a place to start. I know that I'm sure between all of us on this call, we're going to have differences. Um, we could focus on all the different ways that we disagree because I'm sure there's a million of them or we could begin on the things that we agree about. Um, Do we want a safe place for our kids to grow up? Yes. Do we, do we want to make sure that, um, that schools are safe, that these, these shootings 
that, that we find a way forward. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so for me, I think that it becomes this, this, this thing where it's not just about the guns. It's about the idea that the conversation has stopped and that is the most da- dangerous position for a country to be in. I want to read a, a quick passage from the piece and, and have you unpack it a little, uh, if that's okay, uh, that, you know, kind of it, it expresses those thoughts. You know, you, you wrote, love is so much easier than hatred. Uh, or, or, I'm sorry, love is so much harder than hatred. It's messy. It's uncomfortable. It takes time and intentionality, and it doesn't often get elected. But when but love continues the dialogue when logic fails, a gun can bring silence, but only compassion can bring transformation. Violence can destroy your enemies, but only love can turn a foe into a friend. Those are such powerful words on a practical level. How can we go about expressing love in an environment that is often, like you were saying, so contentious and so polarizing? What are some ways that you know, we can make ideological enemies, quote unquote, you know, how can we turn them into our friends? Well, I think two things. I think the, the platform upon which you use uh, to uh, have dialogue is a part of it. The method is the message. And I'm questioning whether Twitter is the best way to, to dialogue about these things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. I, I wonder that too sometimes. So you're saying 1 a.m. Twitter arguments are not a good idea. <laughs> I'm saying, yeah, I, that they might not be the best place to truly transform <laughs> somebody's mind. Um, Interesting. I, I think that most of the time when we're spouting off words of frustration and anger and sometimes hatred online, that that's mostly for us rather than trying to actually honor the other person at the other end of the line. And I, I question whether if that person, I, 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 I'm a big fan of coffee and I feel like if maybe there's a practical way that we can begin to take people that we disagree with out to coffee. Um, years ago, we, we were having a bunch of people from the Westboro Baptist organization. Um, I think that's the, the one they were following us around and protesting and saying horrible things about us and the people that listen to our music. And, um, and it was just a really awful scene, but I, I had this idea that, um, if I could take them out to coffee, we could actually have a dialogue and it ended up working. Um, wonderfully. We had, we went out to coffee with a couple of them and I feel like, it was a step towards understanding each other and respecting each other. And I think respect and, and honor have to be a part of the equation when we're going to make any sort of headway in, in any form of dialogue, you know? And I feel like I read an amazing piece by Andrew WK about this guy who, who's really trying to come to terms with his, his dad having different beliefs than he does. Um, it's worth a read. It's in the village voice, but he basically says similar thing where if you are turning this person into the enemy, if you're turning, if you're objectifying them in such a way that you can no longer see their merit as a human soul, then the conversation is dead before it starts. Do you think there's a, uh, a difference? Uh, I, I've, I've, been thinking about this a lot since I, I read the piece, John, and I, I really admire a lot of it. I also think that there is maybe a sense, and I want to hear if you agree, 
um, and you do touch on this in the piece a little bit, in which it's easier for somebody like me to start a dialogue with, say, uh, somebody who has maybe some white nationalist sympathies than a friend of mine who is black and who might actually feel like their humanity and possibly their safety is on the line if they were to meet with these people one-on-one. Um, do you think that there's any truth to that or that there is some way places and times in which that conversation that you're talking about starting might be harder than others and put more of the weight on some of us? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I think we're all going to have areas of influence, you know, um, I'm going to have a voice that's going to be different than yours, but I do think that like postmodern world is radically different than anything that any epoch of humanity has ever experienced. So the idea that a community for thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of years has meant the people that you live near in the new Testament, talk about neighbor. I certainly think that our neighbor is, is around the world. Now we're talking to people online around the world, but in a practical level, I'm going to be having coffee with the same guy at the same coffee shop or next to him a lot. Or my neighbor is literally the guy next door to me, you know? Um, and these, these areas are places where I think we can go further than potentially, um, the online argument. And, and for me, I think, like the respect thing, it can't be a feigned, um, I'm going to try to respect you even though I hate you kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think it, it has to be this element thing. I really am going to, um, I'm going to bring my full attention to you and I'm going to listen. And, and that is the way that that listening, that openness can suddenly, then you're able to, to have a voice into that person's life. Cause I think about like the things that have truly transformed me, the times that I've been transformed, it's never been someone's brilliant argument that, that tears me down. It's always some form of love, Hmm. you know? And I think love transcends where reason doesn't. The irony is that every single one of us is wrong at this very moment in our views. We just don't know which views are wrong and where like every one of us. And the only way we're going to learn that we're wrong is by communicating with somebody else who's seeing a different perspective. Um, if we could bring that amount of mindfulness and attention to the other in the conversation, I think that that kind of respect elicits a response where I'm listening to, I feel heard, you know? Yeah. John, we really we appreciate your voice and your wisdom on this topic. And, and I, I appreciate you speaking out, man. I know it's not an easy thing to talk about and it's controversial, but but your voice means a lot to us and, and a lot to, and, and I hope people take it to heart. So thanks for making time for relevant. Thank you for having awesome. me and have thanks. a wonderful you day. Too, man. Thanks, thanks for uh, the, the conversation, the dialogue. <laughs> Well, that was John Foreman. Make sure to check out the op-ed he wrote for us over at relevantmagazine.com. Also, uh, Jesse, I don't appreciate you booking a guest who 
makes me feel convicted about my 1 a.m. Twitter arguing. That was I mean, not literally, planned. could that have been any more convicting? <laughs> I saw, I saw these tweets happening last night. Mostly. And I, I said, you know who we need to weigh in on this? <laughs> we need to get John Foreman on the line. I feel super convicted. On I'm in on his perspective on guns. I'm in. I don't, I'm not convicted about that. I agree with him. I didn't think he was going to take me to task saying, well, you're an idiot if you think you're going to change his mind by arguing with this him. This is the hot it. episode. And we're coming in. It Everyone's really coming in is. hot. This has been a real the journey. hottest Friday of the year. That's okay. true in Good. every sense of the word. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. Up next, it's Ask the Cast. We like to think the church is a haven for the hurting, but what happens when it's not? The passion behind the Me Too and Church Too movements show no signs of relenting. As more stories of abuse and secrecy within the church unfold, it's clear that this is not yesterday's problem or a Hollywood problem. This is our problem, and survivors are speaking up. Author and advocate Mary DeMuth is using her voice to dare the church to listen. DeMuth's new book, We Too, unpacks the church's historical response to sexual violence and provides a healthy framework for a new way forward. We Too urges the church to become what it should be, a place of security instead of shame. We all know someone affected by sexual abuse. It's time to listen, act, and help find the road to healing. Visit wetoobook.com for information and resources. That's wetoobook.com. You're listening to Verite. The song is Ocean. Okay, it's time for. If you got something you want to know, now's the time to ask. It's Ask the Cast. Ask the Cast. You guys went on Twitter. This is why I got in trouble last night, because you guys actually hit us up at Relevant Podcast on Twitter and asked the cast questions. And I joked back about a couple of them as the Relevant Podcast. And now then, he's saying joked now that John Foreman laid down some truth. No, no, <laughs> I really I did. A lighthearted a just joke. A lighthearted reply. I was mostly just kidding. Obviously kidding. It went weirdly personal and aggressive. And then I'm not standing for that. And the whole ask the casting went sideways. So we're going to pick our favorite lighthearted dumb questions that you guys sent us <laughs> and lob them to the team. Number one, why does relevant only promote women oh who have gosh. famous fathers. Yeah. Annie, do you want to take this one? <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge honor to Tom Down. He's the best dad. <laughs> I, I, I'm offended at that. And I'm going to have my dad arrest you and drag you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Uh, D asked, uh, I'm, in, I'm in day five of a 10-day class for a doctoral program at a seminary. What can I do to spice it up a little? You can get your doctorate in 10 days. Yeah, that's what I mean. yeah. You've got bigger problems. 
Oh, we need, we need to come back to yeah, see, time out. I, I hate to tell a you this. Doctorate in what? I don't know how legit this doctoral, this ten day doctoral program is. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what you. Yeah, I don't know how to get to spice it up. Other than I, you know, you. This may just be one of those like. Is this like an online program to get ordained to like officiate a wedding? I, I the details here are throwing me off too much to I think answer the question. It'll get plenty spiced up when you have to call your lawyer because you realize that you didn't actually get your doctorate. You didn't actually get. A doctorate. I didn't, know, I didn't know Trump University had a, had a seminary part. Speaking, speaking of Trump University, you know you could. Do oh no! Is is you could just do what uh, Trump Trump spiritual advisor Paula White did? Yeah, just add doctorate. She she, she didn't go to. She didn't get a degree from a, a college or a seminary, but for some reason in the past few years has started calling herself Doctor Paula White. <gasps> You're lying to me. The yeah, go on, online. <laughs> She's introduced at all White. these events, and they're like, "Ladies and gentlemen, Doctor Paula White." And you're like, "Wait a minute!" I so, didn't know all the time. Get- so maybe you don't even need to do the ten day class. <laughs> you just start all using the term "doctor." Owie's Who's going to check? I mean, go for it. That's really um, that's really put being your best self. Yeah, you're speaking it into existence. That's part of her <laughs> yeah. theology. It's like dressing for the job uh, that you want, not the that's job it. you have. That's it. She's that dressing for the title that she wants, not the one she actually earned. Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay. Brendan asks, help my wife and I settle this debate, please. Mm-hmm. When drying dishes that you've washed by hand. Yeah. Drying dishes you wash by hand. Oh, what, is, what is the optimum way of letting them air dry? Is the glass upside down or right side up? I have okay. a take. Oh, right. I got a take. But Wait, we got to go around the horn. Does everybody have the answer? I do know my answer. I know my answer. But my I have a follow-up question to my answer for before I can okay. answer. Sure. Do, do you have one of those rubber pad things that has the little water channels in it. You right, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like if it, you have a one that's going to raise it. Does that change your answer based on whether you have that or not? hundred percent. If right. I have that, I'm upside down because right. then the drops can drain down. If I don't have that, I'm right side up. But the problem now, with always right always upside down. But, but, but if you're flat on the surface, you could be locking moisture underneath that glass, which could get gross. You know what I'm saying? So you need to have one of those. Uh, what's mats. your vote? Oh, upside down. Upside down for sure. Mm-hmm. Mine for sure. is yes, mine is not hand drying, and mine's whatever way it'll fit in the cabinet the easiest. Because here's <laughs> the thing: dry. the great thing about water, it dries, and it's remarkable how you just put a glass in there and not worry about it. Whatever's the least work, do that. No way you're hand drying. Just slam it in the kit, just jam it in the cabinet, and don't even worry about it. That's what I do. So uh, you know, I don't even know why she's asking. To be honest with you, it seems very intuitive. All right, all right. My life's too valuable to spend time hand washing a dish for for a substance that's that, right side up. Isn't the residual water going to pool at the bottom and then the that's next okay. time you go so to fish it out? What a rich guy thing to say. My life have... is too busy to hand wash my own dish. Yeah. Annie, <laughs> Annie, I have far far too much. And guess what? If when I pour my coffee in the morning, it tastes like a little dishwasher soap got left in there, just jolts the system. So all the much more. It's fine. It is fine. I've got important things to do, like watch the last couple episodes of The Family while I get yeah, mad at people do. on yeah, Twitter. Annie. <laughs> uh, Lydia asks, I'm going on a quick, spontaneous camping trip with some friends. Any advice on making it an unforgettable couple of days? Oh, yeah, Jesse, yeah, I feel like this is your time to shine, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. This one is a softball. She was teeing that one up, Jesse Carey. Right, right up down the middle. 
Uh, yeah, because okay, because let, let's 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 unpack what she's asking. Okay, she said make it an unforgettable couple days. She didn't say yeah, enjoyable. She didn't say good. She didn't <laughs> say good. I heard her. I heard she her. She said too. unforgettable. I'll tell you what. Don't pack any gear. Right. Go totally gearless. This is I mean, you should wear clothes, but it's essentially a naked and afraid situation where you need to go out into the most dangerous wilderness you can find with no supplies and try to make it out alive in three days. I guarantee you, you will not forget the outcome of that trip. This is easy. This is easy. (laughs) Just no no knife, no matches, no cell phone, no flare. Your job is to make it out alive. It'll be a weekend you'll never forget. You're saying you go full naked and afraid for this one? (laughs) Absolutely, David. All right. This is a. Jeremy asks, what's your favorite guilty pleasure movie? Great question. Guilty pleasures are a young man's game. I feel like I, 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 felt, I felt guilty about things when I was like in my late teens and I had to impress people. Like it's not and, cool enough. You don't want your mom to know you watch. <laughs> I was just going to play with it. Remember, we're talking to no, someone. No, no, no. We're talking to a my grown man. parents needed to know. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, we're talking to a grown man who has a comic book podcast. So when you yeah. say guilty pleasure, you got know, a huge, got a huge. Also, one of my of favorite podcasts to listen to, to be clear. Cape Town is Thank you, the Annie. business. Thank you, I love Annie, that show. My real but fan. I'm not even a comic book person. So I, I so I don't I don't feel guilty about much that I watch anymore. I, I kind of like embrace it. Yeah, you make a good point. I, I didn't think about that. Like when you're younger and you're trying to fit in, be cool, or be, you know, a tastemaker, whatever, like yeah, it limits what you're allowed to tell people you enjoy, right? But yeah. now that you're as comfortable in your own skin. You don't care about what other people think. You don't have guilty pleasures anymore. You just enjoy what you enjoy. That's interesting. I I got an example. I almost feel like, because, okay, so here's the thing. I know I need to start. I know I need to finish the family. Like, I feel like I somewhat almost have like a professional obligation to, you know, like I need to be, you know, somewhat well-versed, but I'm scrolling Netflix. I'm like, Olympus has fallen. Is this the one where <laughs> Gerald Butler, Gerard Butler rescues President Jamie Foxx? Like, I gotta see it. I gotta see Like, I feel like that's more the guilty pleasure thing. Or if like Step Brothers happens to be on Comedy Central one night, it's like, uh, yeah. I'm watching yeah. this. I don't care what the plans were, but I should be edifying my mind with high culture and documentaries that are really gonna make me uh, more well-versed. But, you know, if the be- if the bed bu- uh, the bunk bed scene is on, I'm watching. You know, I'm watching Step brothers danny what's your guilty pleasure i'm i am more processing huck's uh yeah guilty pleasures are a young man's game idea yeah because i'm like oh i mean if you've got males on tv i'm stopping and watching the whole thing but i don't feel guilty about that annie me too and i don't feel one bit of guilt i love you we gotta watch it sometime it's just so special it's one it's one of the best movies it's great best movies no no matter when it's on it's great exactly i don't care where it is in the movie i'm in to Jesse's point, like there's a lot of stuff that I know I should watch, but I'm not really in the mood to watch that. Yeah, I'm always in the mood. If I see you've got mail, I'm gonna click it. No yeah, question. Same. Maybe same that same. would be a little more. If I felt guilty at anything, it'd be about how many times I've watched some of these movies. Like <laughs> that's, that's a little more. Like I sit down, it's Netflix the night, time I pull it up, used. and it's yeah. uh, and it's like, well, there's a lot of new stuff out there. But Black Panther is still on Netflix. And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And th- that's only been out for like a year and a half. And it's, <laughs> that's a comic book. Guy I've already seen it. Like something like that could maybe be. Yeah, that could be closer. Yeah. Uh, Jordan asks, "Do y'all eat your mac and cheese with a fork or a spoon?" Allergic to dairy. Womp. What? <laughs> I didn't know that. Lactose and yeah. is, huh? is that why you got sick the night before the Christmas party? Yep. 
<laughs> uh, we went to that milk. We went to a milk bar, and yeah, someone that got late night milk bar. Yeah. This, this yeah. question has really brought up a lot more than it intended to. I think <laughs> you learned so uh, much. Uh, I mean, whatever's closest. Again, I I am about whatever's minimal closest. minimal effort. Minimal <laughs> effort. I don't have. Listen, when you got a schedule like mine, I don't, I don't I don't have the time to go rooting through the silverware chore. Whatever's on the table, I'm using. I'll use, you know, I'll fold it up a piece of cardboard if I need to. I maximum time use, people. Jorge says my downstairs my downstairs neighbor used to leave trash bags outside their door and would make the entryway smell. Now, they just leave a trash can outside. How do I make them be normal? Super gross. Mm. <laughs> That's a problem. You tell your HOA. I usually just tattle to my HOA problem. instead of dealing You're with the, the tattler. I like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm oh with my. you on the tattle. Now, I'm going to yeah, say this. Tattle. You guys are, are the worst. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as someone who's been tattled on to numerous oh, HOAs. I believe that. I no, believe that you've I know, been tattled the, the, on. I mean, the modern. The modern Justice, I, I, there's right and wrong. They are wrong. And I need to That's confidentially knock on my door and talk to me like a human. Do, 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 go, you know, you know. No, 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 no. I'm not going to confront you. Because I might tweet you at one in the morning. I'll but double I down. I'll you. pay the fine. I'll double down. And I have before. <laughs> I will double down. No, the, what, what I've observed is the is the modern contemporary way to deal with these situation is to is not to actually just talk to your neighbor and ask them to move it, which seems like the <laughs> obvious solution. It's to go on the next door app that all your neighbors are reading anyway and passive aggressively shame them to the yeah. rest of the neighborhood. I, that, like see, I see that happen all the time these days. <laughs> um, uh, Ray says, what's the meanest thing you've done to someone? Oh, really? Ouch. Are we going to do well, this? Okay, so, one time I had okay. this jerk who, who got all, you know, <laughs> uptight because yeah. I rented a dumpster for two months and left it out front. <laughs> Just put my trash in it. It wasn't even. It wasn't even construction trash. Just nope, life trash. No, it, was, it, was a, it was a. It was a season of cleaning hoarder style. And <laughs> instead of coming to me and yeah. telling my problems, I got some tattletales, and I don't know who on the cul-de-sac said something. <laughs> so the whole cul-de-sac got trash in the yard. So how do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> You know, this this calls to my uh this is a sad story. Somebody I was telling somebody told me a story <laughs> that somebody else had brought up this question as like an icebreaker for the group. Like, what's the meanest thing you'd ever done to somebody? And yeah. this person was in this group when this happened, and a woman who was there, the story she chose to tell was the time that she accidentally hit somebody with her car and they died. <gasps> what? You can't just uh, bring up like this is supposed to be a fun uh, like fun icebreaker again. situation. But instead, yeah. but no, she brought up a vehicular homicide was her mean thing because she oh. said I was like, not you know, the person. I, you know, it's like I've been meaning to get this off my chest for a while. So you know, since you asked, here you go. This old fashioned. But I wonder if that's one of those things you carry. This is going to be too serious on it for a hot Friday. Yeah, I wonder if that's so, yeah. one of those things you carry that you sometimes put out there in front of people just because. <laughs> You're like, I, I just need to tell you this thing and see if you'll still be my friend. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just, I think that's probably true. I, I can't think. Of, I don't know what the meanest thing. I, I can't. I can't think. Like, I'm sure. I, had gal- I have gallows humor. And so if something's really bad or uncomfortable, yeah. I yes, enjoy absolutely leading horrible, out with actually. it. <laughs> like when I met Sean and Equist at an airport in, in Vancouver at the at the baggage claim she comes up she's like hey you're on this you're going to this thing too yeah oh hey and we meet and she's like how are you and i was like oh my wife just left me i'm getting i guess i'm getting a divorce 
And she just, her jaw drops. And then he, and got, I, he <laughs> just kidding. No, but seriously, I did hit. I think I really it, injured someone on the way to the airport. Oh my <laughs> but then hey, we, be, can we I became say best your friends. Unedited interview with her was so good, by the way, Cameron. Yeah, it was. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. That's a great really conversation. Nice. She's really good. She, she's a good person. But we became best friends because that we just broke the ice that way. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm with you, Annie. It's like you throw the, you throw the meatball out there and you see if they pick it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. I'm going the, for it. The, the famous idiom. Throw the meatball out <laughs> to see if it's picked. I feel like you said that's, meatball that's earlier Benjamin this week, Franklin. too. <laughs> yeah. hey, that's a Benjamin Franklin. That? <laughs> that was David in Psalms, right? Throw the meatball out thine area. Katie asks, long-time listener, first-time tweeter. Well, welcome. Uh, don't tweet after 1 a.m., Katie. I'll just give you a little <laughs> advice. Uh, Breaking Bad or The Wire, she asked. Breaking Bad or The Wire? Breaking Bad. Close. I haven't watched that's either. A, that's a really good question. What? Oh, because of the uh, dairy thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm allergic yeah. to dairy. <laughs> I, I'm a dairy. I'm allergic to both. dairy and gratuitous violence. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, someone has dismembered in the first three episodes of Breaking Bad. I, I like Breaking Bad. I feel like the characters, uh, you know, or I feel like the arc of the. Okay. The Wire is great for micro issues, like looking at the criminal justice system, looking at um, the you know drug and corruptions, and, and a lot of, and it gets you to understand you know it, it, the the journalist that spent years covering actual crime in Baltimore provided a lot of insight for issues that are facing that show. So if you're looking for that, go with that. If you're looking for a broader narrative arc about the human condition, I think Breaking Bad's better. Uh, the wire the wire for me it's it's what season because the wire for me was so groundbreaking when it was made and it it, the storytelling holds up but the cinematography doesn't and so watching it now you stuff has gotten so much better you know just artistically and it's just like it's not as groundbreaking now as it was then and breaking bad didn't know what it was the first two seasons it's like the first season of seinfeld you know what i'm saying it didn't know what it was and then it became yeah. One of the best, if not the best show of all time. So it's an interesting, both have their pros and cons. You know, Wait, can I, can I ask a listener question? Yeah. yeah. Seinfeld or the office? For, for me, Seinfeld. Yeah. No question. It, it was such a genre creating type of, yeah. Yeah. It just, it's the Beatles. I mean, to me, it's like the comedic Beatles. It's just like so many things came from it that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And it, there's no sentimentality in it. You know, the lesson they, I already talked to this before, but like they, they made a deal, no lessons, no hugs, you know, no one changes, no one gets better. There's no, there's no, everything's played as a joke. Once one, when one of the characters, fiance dies, you know, tragically, it's a joke, you know, the office, there's tears and stuff. So if you're looking for sentimentality, I think the office, but if you're just looking for pure comedy, you got to go Seinfeld. Yeah. I'd go, I'd be the, I guess I'd be the one who do the, I'll, I'll be the minority party on this one. I, I think I'd go with the office personally. I think Carell's performance um, is, uh, is, is one of a kind is extremely unique and really, really good. And I think it feels a little more human. I think it's, it's kind of the yeah. inverse of what you're saying, Jesse. It's, and it depends on what you're probably looking for out of it. But yeah. I do like those human moments that they bring in. I think they're handled really well for at least the first five seasons. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'd say the office. That's a good question, though. It's a, you can learn a lot about somebody. All right. Lexi asks, last question. Lexi asks, uh, I'm leading a small group at my university this year. What are some good icebreakers to get everyone comfortable? 
We got you, girl. Listen to the last 20 minutes of the show. <laughs> yeah, we need you to come up with some questions, you're saying. All right, guys. Hey, nice to meet everyone. We're going to start with secret sins. Secret sins. <laughs> right. Let's start with you. What are you hiding, pal? Yeah, let's clear the air. Uh, we're going to end with this one, actually. John asked, and this is really sweet. John asked, how can we be praying for the cast members? Oh, that is nice. nice. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Are we going to tell the truth in our answers? Well, he was replying to... Uh, a tweet that I deleted. <laughs> oh boy! Why are I, always so mean to me? <laughs> where I shared, where I shared some personal news, and John was like, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry, man." Hey, by the way, how can we be praying for the cast members? So that was his question. I'm having a really hard time writing a book that's due in about ten weeks. So praying Oof. for the right words really matters to me. That we that I find the right words for this one. So is it, do you carry the weight? Like to me with work and deadlines, cause obviously we have deadlines all the time. And once we pass one, there's another one looming. It's, it's not sitting down and doing the work. That's difficult. It's when you're not, it weighs on you knowing yeah. that you need to be doing it. And as the deadline gets closer, the weight gets heavier and it makes it for some reason harder to just sit down and do it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Do you find that? Yeah, and I just want it to, I mean, I feel like it, I, I, it's not a cop out answer to say pray for my work versus like a personal thing. Cause when I'm writing a book, it is a personal thing. This is mm-hmm. my life right now is trying to do this well. So that's what I would love for him to pray. Uh, I don't think I've told uh, the podcast this yet, but we're gearing up for a temporary move. My wife and I are are getting ready for a short relocation over to France as part of her master's program that she's working on. There's obviously a lot of things to get ready for in the meantime for that. And it's a, it's a pretty stressful move. And uh, moving overseas is actually kind of difficult. I have no idea. So I uh, could definitely use your prayers for the stress of that and making sure we get all the, the visa stuff taken care of and... Uh, and uh, figure out how to take care of, make sure that our house is being taken care of over here. I'd really appreciate that. Are you, uh, are you doing the Titanic type thing where you're taking like big trunks of yeah. things? They, they, uh, and that, really? that was in retrospect, kind of a mistake, probably. Everything in one that we trunk. have in three and three pirate chests. Uh, <laughs> are you, are you serious? <laughs> are you doing can. that? <laughs> no, we're using our oh, very, okay. we're, we're using, we, we got, we got, uh, well, I got one piece of new luggage that's coming in handy. And, uh, and, uh, we're, so it's going to be kind of a slow, we're going to be moving out of suitcases for, for a little bit now. Uh, I would just say, I, I mean, just on like a personal front, like for the last year, I think, uh, been kind of my whole family just trying to like reevaluate the way that, you know, we spend our time and what we invest in kind of relationally and, uh, you know, how seriously we take our, our faith and our relationship with God and what he means to us and our, and our family. And I think just like that continued sort of like conviction to make that a priority, uh, and to make that the, the centerpiece, um, is always a challenge, especially when there's a lot, you got a lot going on in life. It's easy to kind of just put, um, you know, stuff that should be important into kind of coast mode. And so I think just maintaining a healthy perspective and a, a balance in, in life is, is a constant prayer. And one that I think, um, yeah, I would always really appreciate people praying for. Absolutely. Uh, for me, I'm, I mean, it, it, there's been a lot of challenges this year. I mean, work has had uh, some unexpected curveballs, and even like right now, while we're seeing a lot of positive uh, turnaround on the horizon, things happening, 
uh, that's good. We're very short-handed, so work is really stressful, and there's a lot on everybody's plates, and you just kind of feel that weight, you know. So just for resources and guidance and and direction and provision and all all the things at work, um, you know, personal side, uh, some people or a person very close to me is struggling with a significant health issue and just carrying that weight and navigating pretty scary waters uh, in that area. So just, you know, while you're up at two in the morning, just on Twitter sometimes, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, thanks for asking that, John. That was really sweet. Um, Well, thanks for everybody who sent in questions. Uh, uh, We do this every week now, it seems like. You can hit us up on Twitter at Realm Podcast if you want your questions answered. But just be warned, if you ask stupid questions that have some sort yeah, of agenda you in the middle of the night <laughs> some sort of agenda where you're trying to belittle people i care about then i'm gonna take you down all right uh <laughs> thanks to bombas for making this episode possible remember buy your bombas socks at bombas.com slash relevant and get 20 percent off your first purchase that's b-o-m-b-a-s.com slash relevant for 20 percent off your first purchase at Bombas. Also, thanks to John Foreman for joining us. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at John Foreman. He won't argue with you in the middle of the night. It's a very good follow. Um, also, <laughs> <laughs> make sure to read his op-ed that he wrote about gun violence at relevantmagazine.com. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Clark Flippo. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I'm Annie F. Downs. And uh, pray for Chandler's family uh, since he's apparently dead. Uh, that, that's Who tragic. Whoever you are, are Chandler's family. Whoever they might be. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to call it. What's his last name? Somebody should call them and make sure he's there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see you all on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. For listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe know who on the cul-de-sac said something so the whole cul-de-sac got trash in the yard relevant podcast network